Are we, All right. are we launching or? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get it started. I'll get it started. I'll get it started. Like, like the black eyed peas, you know? <laughs> How many times are you going to reference this? I love that. I love the black eyed peas, man. Yeah, so do I. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like, Hey, Apple D app. Welcome to the. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, can we get Apple D app on the scoreboard? <laughs> I feel like there's. No chance. Can't Out of the four black eyed peas, who's most likely to show up on the scoreboard? I'm going to say Taboo. Yeah, I agree. That's probably the closest you'll get. I don't. We're definitely not getting Fergie. I don't. I think Will I Am is too busy. Apple D app and Taboo. I think we have a legitimate shot. We'll try for Apple D app, and if we can't get him, <laughs> we'll go to the next one. All right, let's get started. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the DI Scoreboard. I'm your host, Austin Hansen. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Shimantra Huja. You start out every podcast with an exciting episode. I hope we never have an unexciting episode. It's right, we do have an exciting episode today. We've had a lot of episodes. Um, they're all exciting, but we need one. We need a new descriptor. <laughs> We need a new descriptor for like. Know. Austin said they're all exciting with the shrug. <laughs> <laughs> some some are more exciting than others. Um, this one's particularly exciting because we're gonna before we introduce our our two guests for this week, we're gonna let our producer Kelsey Harold, DI digital editor, fabulous at her job, introduce and talk about. Uh, some awards the Daily Iowan won recently, particularly <clears throat> Iowa Newspaper of the Year, back-to-back. NBD. Yeah, so we were named, you know, Iowa Newspaper of the Year for the second year in a row, which is really exciting for all of us, you know, um, being in a pandemic and completing most of this year remote. Um, it was good to see, exciting to see. Um, some other stuff that we did, we got first place for General Excellence, which was just overall in our category so you know shows that we did really well the news podcast on the record got first place for best podcast so I mean I'm excited about that don't know if uh, everyone else on the scoreboard scoreboard is excited about that but I am and then Siobhan along with Ryan Adams uh, got first for best slideshow um, and that came from the Iowa Minnesota football game Shivanch also got first place for best photo, as well as best sports feature story for his Lisa Bluter project. And then Anna Kaiser got best sports story um, first place. Shivanch got second place for best sports feature photo. Shivanch really swept a lot of things. Just going to add that in there. And then um, Anna Kaiser got second place for best personality feature um, on Tom Brands. Pete Rudin got best sports story uh, second place. And then Robert got second place for best sports columnist. And then in the third place category, Anna again got uh, another award for best sports feature. Overall, we did really well. There was a lot of other things we placed in, but mm-hmm. just want to highlight the sports side of things. We work with some talented people. And I, I do want to say that next year, on the record, we're, we're, we're coming for you. All right, it's <laughs> this pod will be breaking down barriers next year. Um, mm-hmm. Having a sports pod be the best overall news pod in the state of Iowa. Um, I'm going to make that prediction now. Not just best 
not just a sports pod, but a sports pod that started with me giving you cake on Robert's birthday. <laughs> Speaking of Robert, we should probably introduce him if he's going to yeah, talk been on quiet this in podcast. The <laughs> DI pregame editor slash sports projects editor, uh, frequent guest on this show, basically every week. We might as well add his name to the title. Robert, how are we doing? Good. I, I was waiting until you introduced me to to finally speak, so thank you for doing so. <laughs> We actually have the full sports editorial squad here tonight. Um, Isaac Goff, an assistant sports editor, is also joining us tonight. Isaac, how are we doing? Doing good today. It's been a busy day, but enjoying my do- job. It's been a couple. It's been a busy couple days for us, especially Robert and I, um, dusting off the old breaking news shoes to to uh, basically let the world know that Iowa women's swimming is officially back um, after a Title IX suit that went on for months. Um, a judge ruled on Christmas Eve that the UI, they issued, the judge issued a preliminary injunction uh, that blocked the University of Iowa from cutting women's swimming and diving. Um, and now, almost two months after that ruling came down, uh, Athletic Director Gary Barta and the UI Athletic Department just decided, hey, let's just reinstate the sport, get rid of the uncertainty, and, and move forward here. So, Robert, I, I don't know if you want to add anything here out of the gate. Yeah, I, I think the for the people who ask, well, why is only one of the sports being brought back when four were cut in August with financial shortfalls being cited? It, it, it is that Title IX um, battle that was going on between members of the University of Iowa Women's Swimming and Diving Program and the University of Iowa. It, it was looking, like Austin said, there was that injunction that kept the program safe for at least another year. And, you know, from everything I read and understand I think it would have been difficult for Iowa to win that case um, and officially eliminate the program but without even necessarily wanting to go that far like Austin said Gary Barta and Iowa announced on Monday that they were just going to bring the program back which it's unfortunate it had to it's unfortunate they had to get cut in the first place but to be brought back at this point when you know, the program's already been decimated some athletes have transferred out some recruits have decided to go elsewhere um, some coaches have left. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely an encouraging thing to see the program back, but it's certainly not what it was just months ago before it was cut. So some quick notes about this. Um, first things first, Iowa women's swimming coaching staff was reduced from seven to four before the season started. And last year they competed with about 34 student athletes on their squad. Uh, this year that number is down by 10 due to transfers and a variety of other reasons. Um, So only 24 athletes and four coaches competed, I think, at their last home meet of the year um, a couple months ago. They had a walk-on diver compete as, like, their only diver or one of their few divers. So um, there's a lot of rebuilding to do. Uh, Gary Barta acknowledged that. Sage Olin Salen also acknowledged that when she talked to me. So there's there's a lot of steps that, that have to happen now going forward for um, the women's swim and dive program. And to touch on the title nine case and add a few more facts, the, the main thing they alleged that made the university of Iowa athletic department non-compliant with title nine is because opportunities have to reflect student body population. So at Iowa, the student body population is about 54% female as of 2018, I think is what the case noted. And athletic opportunities were only about 50 to 51% available for women. So to get that up to 54%, Iowa might have 
to add another sport. Um, and there's a lot of interesting facets to this case, but that's, that's kind of the basic overview of what's happened. I know Shavanch, you were at that last, what was supposed to be their last women's, you know, home meet. Um, and what is actually the last men's home meet. I don't know if you have anything you want to add particularly about that day or about women swimming being back. Yeah. Um, I was actually there with Isaac. So Isaac and I both tag team that, that, that particular event. Um, looking at it, uh, just from an outsider's perspective, you can tell that they have a lot of, a lot of heart, all the athletes and the, their families in both the men's and women's swimming and diving programs. Um, they love the team, you know, they love spending time together, obviously as, as much as any athletic team could in the NCAA. So to, to hear that this is coming back, granted it was through a lawsuit and that's never the avenue you want to have to take with, with this stuff. It's, um, you never want to have to like force legal action to, to get your opportunities, but uh, push comes to shove and things really do happen that way. Yeah. Isaac Shavanch mentioned you were also there. Um, I edited your story after that meet that day, you know, what were your observations? Um, what stuck out to you? Yeah. And in, in a weird way the meet kind of felt normal since there were so many parents there. So most of the stands were filled, which actually kind of felt nice for once. Um, like Shavanch said, there's a lot harder in the program. Um, everyone I think came into that day, right. They compete. Um, Obviously, um, few of them know exactly what's going to happen after that, but um, then they came in, um, performed as well as they thought they could do, and um, yeah, I mean, all of them, I think, felt upset that they're in that situation, but they were trying to make the most of it, and unfortunately for the men's team, um, they're just going to have to do what they have right now, but at least the women's team is coming back, and hopefully they can rebuild it. It's going to probably take a few years, but I'm confident that they can rebuild. Yeah, men's tennis, men's gymnastics. Um, and men's swimming and diving, to reiterate, will not be returning. The Save Iowa Sports Group, which is a group of alumni and friends, have proposed alternatives to the University of Iowa and offered to donate uh, up to $6 million to revive the programs, all of which the University of Iowa has elected to reject. Um, University of Iowa rejected the cash. They rejected the alternative plans, which would actually take control of Iowa's Olympic sports out of the athletic department and under some other third-party independent supervision. Um, so those, those are just a couple couple big notes from this story. Before we wrap up, I guess the last thing I wanted to touch on is at Gary Barta's press conference Tuesday afternoon, he mentioned that Iowa would consider adding women's wrestling. Um, and I know, Robert, you had some initial thoughts on this, and Kelsey's done a little work with uh, women's wrestling as well. Uh, I think it's important to know, you know, uh, originally when the sports were cut, there was no football season planned for 2020 or at least the fall of 2020. Uh, and I was looking at roughly a $95 million loss of revenue and about $75 million deficit. Uh, that deficit shrunk to about 50 to 60 million by Gary Barta's estimation following the return of a football season and Iowa being able to compete in eight regular season games. But yeah, like, like Austin mentioned, there's, I, I know the, the attorney for the, for the Iowa swimmers in the title nine case is really pushing for Iowa to add a women's sport um, right now, wrestling being the most common one mentioned to, you know, extend extra opportunities and increase those opportunities for women's sports and athletes at Iowa. What's tricky. I, I think it makes perfect sense under normal circumstances for Iowa of all places to really be leading the way on the women's wrestling front um, and bring that sport to the athletic department. But I mean, Gary Barta said 
the only thing stopping him right now is basically finances. And like I said, I'm, I'm all for them doing that, but it's got to leave a even more bitter taste for the men's tennis, men's gymnastics and men's swimming and diving athletes. If I were to add another sport, it, it's really a no win situation for these athletes involved. Um, especially the ones that, I mean, even, even the women's swimming athletes that are still remaining on the team that actually have their prod, their program back, it, it's still by no means an ideal situation. And then even more so for the athletes who won't have a home here after next year or after the end of this season, I guess. Um, so yeah, would it be great for Iowa to add women's wrestling, which I know the fan base is really enthusiastic about? Yes. But I think we've also got to keep in mind the people who are already losing their programs when we talk about that. Yeah. I don't know, Kelsey, if you want to add anything about, you know, the, up and coming nature of women's wrestling, particularly here in Iowa. That's another thing Gary mentioned when he talked about bringing the sport back, you know, the popularity and also the the dominance of the men's program. Yeah. I mean, they, for the past couple of years, they've had a separate girls wrestling like state tournament. Um, I know they still had it this year, um, even though, you know, COVID has been a thing happening and impacting sports everywhere but they definitely would have the interest um there's a lot of girls who do wrestle and here in Iowa City even um last year Iowa City West had their own team separate from the boys so right here in Iowa City they even have the interest for it so I think I think there would still there would be a lot of interest but you know like Robert said I think they should consider you know they just cut three men's sports and it still would be a lot to fund a team from, you know, the ground up. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's important to mention that the women's uh, Iowa women's state wrestling tournament was a Dick Stream Marine a couple weeks ago. And, and um, the USA women's wrestling national team was here in town to train a couple weeks ago as well. Uh, the support in the community is definitely there too. Um, when Sarah Hildebrandt and company competed at um you know, the USA Senior Nationals at Extreme Arena back over the summer, uh, the support for women's wrestling was outstanding. Uh, the attendance for the women's sessions was just as high as that for the men's sessions. So um, I, I think that the potential is definitely there um, to have that sport established. And um, I guess moving away from women's wrestling and talking about Iowa wrestling in one particular – one thing oh, I want to touch on real quick that you mentioned at the very beginning, and it's just been in my mind the entire time. Do you and Robert have separate shoes for when breaking news happens? Or do you just turn your shoes into breaking news shoes? And why don't you call them breaking shoes? See, I, with the voice you were just using, I thought you were about to have some deep, <laughs> well-thought-out point. I mean, it is thought out. It's just maybe not. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't turn into what I thought it was going to be is all. <laughs> To answer the question, I do have my capital J Ernalism shoes. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're brown old man sketchers. Um, so I, I do dust those off when I have bigger stories or I'm, I'm covering a, an event for the Daily Iowans. So uh, I guess that's true. I will uh, relabel them breaking shoes. Uh, <laughs> I'll get that's a working idea. Uh, copyright Austin Hansen and Shimacha Uja. There you trademark, go. Whatever official uh, legal stuff we need to have. All right, my, my, my thirst for knowledge has been quenched. We may continue <laughs> with, with the pod. Back to the regular, regular <laughs> scheduled, scheduled programming. 
Yeah, let's let's talk about the Iowa wrestling team. They've been on pause. This is their second week now. I believe they've returned limited in-person activities. Uh, they canceled Friday's duel against Northwestern. Uh, Sunday's duel against Wisconsin is up in the air as of 6.35 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time on Wednesday. Isaac, what else can you tell us about the wrestling pause, I guess? Well, not too much. I mean, the team's on pause. I'm not been getting too much information outside of that. But um, technically now they have um, three post moments against Michigan, um, Penn State, and um, Northwestern. I'm not exactly sure if they can make those up before the um, Big Ten Championship. So we'll see how it goes. But personally for me, um, and probably for the team, they're probably just ready to get out there and qualify for the NCAA Championships right now. So we'll see how it goes. And not much I can do about from this circumstance, but we, we just have to see again. But the team is definitely the number one team in the nation from the times I've seen them wrestle. Yeah, it's very seldom where, like, you wouldn't – like, Ohio State football in the fall played a really reduced schedule, um, and people were debating whether or not they longed, you know, belonged in the college football playoff. With Iowa wrestling, they may only wrestle four or five times this year in the regular season. That won't matter. Yeah, no one's <laughs> going to question that couple things to note. We know Tom Brands has tested positive. Uh, we know Alex Marinelli, 165-pounder, the bull. We know he tested positive before um, their duel with Illinois, which was supposed to be a triangular meet, actually, until Michigan had to pull out because of coronavirus. Um, and we also know Caleb Young tested positive. I believe, if I, I remember this correctly, he was traveling with the team to West Lafayette when he tested mm. positive. And they still wrestled with Purdue and Ohio State. Uh, is that correct? As far as I'm aware, yes. Um, yeah, it was it was while traveling. Yeah, Isaac, I don't know if you can confirm that, but can't deny it. <laughs> um, so debatable whether <laughs> should have even wrestled. I would assume since they're on, they were on pause that more people test positive, more wrestlers test positive. Um, but for now, they're limited back. And for their sake, hopefully they can they can compete because I don't think anyone wants to see them uh, miss Big Tens or anything like that because of coronavirus because that is right around the corner. That's just two weeks away. But I, I would assume they'll they'll find a way to be back by that time. And and there is another Iowa sport on pause. That's the Iowa baseball team. Just one thing I wanted to gloss over uh, quickly that that makes them the third program that's gone on coronavirus pause. Uh, joining football and wrestling uh, of everyone in this group Robert and Isaac are the the ones that have covered baseball uh, I don't know if either of you have anything you'd like to add at this time yeah I guess what I was gonna say is uh, Wednesday was a really high and low day for Iowa baseball I guess we finally get a schedule released after several weeks of wondering where it was but then we do get that that notice that they're on pause um for a little bit ahead of the start of the season because of some positive tests. Um, I have heard that as of last night, it was at least four positive tests within the program. So obviously they're trying to get ahead of things before the season starts um, in just a couple of weeks. So yeah, hopefully they're able to get that outbreak under control and, you know, everyone's tested every day. So it should be pretty easy to keep track uh, and do contact tracing and stuff like that to, recognize who has a positive test and everything but hopefully they're ready to go um, by the time the season starts in a couple weeks yeah they'll start um by playing a 
I believe it was a three or four game series against Michigan's beginning March 6th. And what is apparently one of the coldest places on earth, uh, Round <laughs> Rock, Texas. What can I yeah, say? Be better off playing in Iowa City. <laughs> At least in the Midwest, we're, we're diesel enough to just deal with it, right? Like we have the equipment and like things are built to last in the winter. In Texas, they're just they're struggling right now. They don't know how to deal with that snow. Um, and I'm not here to uh, puff my chest out and be like, yeah, we're so tough here in the Midwest. Um, snow doesn't matter to us. It's obsolete because um, it's definitely not. But it's obsolete. <laughs> I saw someone on Instagram today, like the storm in Texas today. I know you guys in the Midwest are laughing at it, but the storm we're getting in Texas today, it happens here as often as someone in the Midwest wins um, college football national championship. Oh, well, I disagree. Ohio State. Yeah, I was about to say Ohio State's Midwest. in the Midwest. Still a rude tweet. <laughs> or Listen, message or whatever. To, they can talk to me. Who's won? A, who's won a national title more recently? Any Texas team or a team from the Midwest? I believe it's a team from the Midwest because Ohio Texas State was, was recently it was 2014. Yeah, Texas was 09, right? Oh uh, six. Was they lost in 09. They lost in 09. Oof. Oh yeah, that was Bama. Roll Tide. <laughs> I reject that. The South makes they're so much better than the Midwest of football. But I'm gonna cut that we... sound bite and just have that sound effect that Robert's saying "roll tie." <laughs> we should do like an intro where we like compile just random bites like Robert saying "roll tide," and then we just play that as like a play that with the theme song. That's a lot of work, though. Yeah, you want to put in that work? I'll tell Chris to do it when he starts. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. He can produce a podcast. There you go. Um, but to get to get back on track, before we dive down the, the Midwest is better than the South football debate, uh, <laughs> let's let's wrap up with a little little coronavirus conversation. Not exactly like the other ones, but the NCAA tournament a couple of weeks ago released its its NCAA tournament protocols, um, specifically for the men's and women's basketball tournaments. And they are interesting, I guess you could say. Um, they'll definitely help in terms of health and safety, but in terms of competitive balance, they could be extremely uh, inhibitive for some teams. I believe the rule is if you test positive for coronavirus, you have to test negative for seven straight days before you can even enter the bubble. Are there any other rules that stuck out to any of you in reading over those that you know, you found to be particularly interesting. Not so much interesting is kind of silly. Isn't there one where you have to be in a specific designated eating area? That is correct. Uh, there's the designated eating areas. Uh, there's the, if you're within a certain mile radius, you cannot fly in, you have to drive. Ah, uh, um, yes. Team bus. Um, so there's, there's a bunch of, it's, it's going to be airtight. Uh, to say the least, because obviously they want that money. <laughs> I want nothing more than maybe even on this podcast to get Jordan Bohannon on after the tournament to talk about the bubble atmosphere and say what he needs to say about the NCAA, which he is very willing to do. I'm all for that idea. But the last, the last interesting facet of this is teams playing in their conference tournaments. I think Iowa has been like, yeah, we're going to play. Most teams in the Big Ten have been that way. ACC, SEC, um, other conferences have. The big holdout right now 
is Gonzaga. They play in the WCC, and for those that are wondering what that stands for, the answer is I don't know. They play against <laughs> Oakland and San Francisco and and schools named after cities that aren't good. Um, Gonzaga should never lose a game in that conference, uh, and they should probably join the Pac-12, to be honest, so they actually play some real teams. Um, I'm not refuting that they're good. Obviously, they beat Iowa by 11. Um, and I saw that live in person. Jalen Suggs is probably the best basketball player I've ever watched with my own two eyes in person, at least college level, mm-hmm. um, which I know people that like Luca Garza will refute. But I thought it was clear that Jalen Suggs was the, the most NBA ready player on the floor that day. Um, but before I get too deep down that rabbit hole, I guess what is what is the panel's feelings about Gonzaga? either skipping and or playing the WCC. I just don't think they have anything to gain from steamrolling San Francisco and Oakland. Yeah, I mean, worst case scenario is even if they win that tournament, which everyone is predicting them to do, and it's not particularly close for any second team who could upset them, is worst case is coming into contact with so many teams, Jalen Suggs or Mark Few or somebody significant test positive and they're available for the tournament. And I get the argument saying, well, what does Gonzaga even have to gain? I'm curious. I don't know if Joe Lenardi or anybody's answered, like, if they opt out of the tournament, are they still a one seed? Because obviously they're the number one team in the country, but would they in some way be penalized because they opted not to compete? I don't think so, but it's an interesting question, I think, to ask. Uh, But Gonzaga is really one of the few teams I think it makes sense for, like, the big 10 is so good and so close and so deep. I don't like, even if Michigan wins the regular season title, they don't have anything to gain from not competing in the postseason because Ohio state could go win it and jump them. And I think that's similar to a lot of other conferences, power five conferences uh, and even non power five conferences around the country. So I think Gonzaga is in a rare situation where it kind of makes sense for them to do so. I, but I, I don't know if they will obviously. Yeah, I think the water's a little muddy, especially for uh, the Blue Bloods of college basketball that'll make these tournaments interesting, because I would imagine even without Jalen Johnson, Duke won't go away. I would imagine Kentucky won't go away. Um, I I think those two teams in particular could definitely win because the SEC is not particularly strong outside of Alabama basketball and Tennessee basketball. Um, Auburn's all right this year. Um, I, I think the same thing in the ACC. Clemson's okay. There's a couple of teams that are okay. So Duke and Kentucky could probably see themselves winning those tournaments and sneaking in uh, to the big dance. So I, I think that those conference tournaments will be interesting for that reason. Like Robert said, the Big Ten tournaments particularly interesting because a lot of teams will be jockeying for position, especially if you're Iowa, right? If you beat Ohio State, uh, beat Wisconsin twice, beat Michigan coming in and then win or get second in the Big Ten tournament. You're talking about jumping from a four seed right now, probably up to the two-ish line. I I think it's a big deal for a lot of teams and that they'll play in these. The big key thing to watch for, in my opinion, will be if someone tests positive before the first game and can't go to the bubble for the first game, can they then enter the bubble after the NCAA tournament has started and play in the second round or third round? so on and so forth. Um, Isaac and Siobhan, I don't know if either of you want to weigh in on this, have any particularly passionate uh, words. <laughs> I talked about this at Broward last week, but we know at least one team's going to get on, um, not going to be able to participate because of 
some COVID-19 issues. So yeah, it's just going to be an interesting March Madness. Obviously they're going to do everything they can to um, have it played, but it's just going to be weird and we'll see what happens. Yeah. I want to say you were right about these teams being named after cities. It's ridiculous. Um, the <laughs> I wanted to talk about a point that Robert brought up, and I seriously hope that this isn't a, a norm that happens. Is a team getting penalized for not wanting to compete in its its conference uh, championship? When you're tearing down teams in your conference, a hundred to sixty one, ninety five to forty nine, you there's nothing there for them to prove. Like. I know I know it's different if this was like a power five conference and say like, I don't know, Virginia just decided to opt out uh, for, for safety reasons, then a team that's a little bit more ambiguous with their standing, it's going to be there's going to be some fall off there. Gonzaga is not in that conversation. I don't think there's any there's definitely no argument for them to not be a top three team in the country. And at this point, there's no reason for them not to be the one seed going into this tournament. Um, even the the ranked teams that they have played, the power five teams that they have played, they've taken care of nicely. I seriously hope that there's no, there's no penalty for going on the side of safety and caution. They, there's nothing to prove. There's no, there's no title that they need to win. And so that way they can make the, uh, the tournament a real case for the best team in the country. Also, Gonzaga could shut it right down right now, and they'd still be a number one seed. I mean, all their toughest games are behind them. They had matchups with West Virginia. I don't know, Iowa. man. I don't know, man. St. Mary's really, really putting up a fight. <laughs> I can't tell you where St. Mary's is other than it's on the West Coast because they're in the WCC. Dude, University of San Diego. Not University of California, San Diego. University of San Diego. <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean, no disrespect <laughs> to Kawhi Leonard, but uh, the WCC isn't exactly boasting elite competition. And in, and in terms of how much the NCAA tournament means to the NCAA, uh, according to Sports Illustrated, they lost about $600 million last year uh, without having an NCAA tournament. And it looks like in fiscal year 2019, uh, they reported $868 million dollars. Uh, in revenue generated from the NCAA tournament. It's pretty. It's a pretty big deal for them to have it. Even without fans, uh, it looks like uh, CBS and Turner Sports pay, well, nine figures every, for every single tournament, uh, ranging from $113 million or more. Um, so it's, it's definitely a, a big deal uh, to have this tournament, regardless of whether or not there are fans. So if anyone else has any particular last thoughts they want to talk about, I can either wrap up the pod or we can talk about one justin james watt times are gonna get jj watt unfortunately he's right people were asking if the bear like i saw it on twitter and stuff because he was in chicago people were like oh the bears should get him i'm like we already have sorry the bears already have two overpaid pass rushers in khalil Mack and robert quinn we (laughs) the bears don't need any more of those what they need is a quarterback and an offensive line and wide receivers and probably a running back because Dave Montgomery is heading out too. Uh, my, I concur. Yeah, the biggest thing, I think the biggest story with JJ is not that he's not going to be on the Texans, but the fact that they couldn't find a trade partner. And so they had to release him. And that, I think, opens up Isaac's point where since the Texans no longer have a say in it, he could very well go to a conference or even a division rival. The Titans seem to be the most likely, and my goodness, will that team be good if he goes there? Because um, what was the biggest issue with the Titans last year? It was 
definitely the pass rush. It was definitely getting pressure on the quarterback. And I know JJ's not DPOY level the way he was early in his career. He's still he's still forced to be reckoned with there. So yeah, it's it's there's gonna be a lot of superstars moving this offseason, especially with the stagnation of the salary cap. Is it even decreasing or is it just staying where it's at? I believe it's projected to decrease this year. Okay. Um, yeah. So with with that, I mean, there's going to be a lot of interesting contracts, a lot of people moving around. I'm really excited for this offseason. We're going to have a whole pod, Austin, just about Deshaun Watson. I, I want that. We can do a Deshaun Watson, uh, Carson Wentz pod uh, later in March. Why Carson Wentz? Why, why do we need to put Carson Wentz in? <laughs> Can't He's another just, quarterback. Why can't on, it just the be market? the one going to the Hall of Fame? Why, can't, why does it have to be the other one? Let's throw Kirk Cousins in there too. Why not? Let's just. <laughs> hey, his situation is secure. And if Kirk Cousins was a bear, I think they'd be good enough to at least win a playoff game. I won't say go to the Super Bowl because, you know, Kirk Cousins is mad inconsistent. But anyway. <clears throat> Uh, I think Green Bay and uh, Pittsburgh are also reasonable landing spots for J.J. Watt, uh, mainly because his brother plays for the Steelers. Both I believe brothers. both of his brothers, yeah, yeah, both his brothers play for the Steelers. And obviously he's from Wisconsin, so Green Bay is another obvious destination. Their their defense needs a lot of help. Um, so, hey, Breaking news as we end the pod, Tim Tebow is retiring from professional baseball. Oh, goodness. Uh, yes, I also forgot that he played in the Mets minor league system. It was what, a good reminder. Whatever will we do now that he's actually doing a job that he's really good at, a full-time college football analyst. Shout out to Tim Tebow for just calling it quits and, and uh, doing what his, his calling is, play college quarterback and then be a very swaggy uh, college football analyst. Uh, I, love it was, I, I love how he just did it in the middle of February, just said goodbye. Nah. He was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Spring training was firing up, and uh, apparently February is not Tebow time. But I, I, I do I do have a soft spot for Tim Tebow. I had a Tim Tebow shirt when I was a kid. I have um, a soft spot for him just pooping on the Steelers in the playoffs. That's that one, <laughs> that was, one game, but he he earned my respect for life for that. Still sick. And we can talk about this on next week's pod, but did you see what the Steelers GM said about Ben Roethlisberger today? He was just like, is Ben the quarterback of the future? Um, and even for next year, he was like, Ben's the quarterback on this roster right now. Yep. God. <laughs> I was like, hmm. Correct. These are facts. But you know who else said that? Uh, the Rams GM promptly before trading Jared Goff for Matt Stafford and two first-round picks. Um, or he traded Jared Goff and two first-round picks for Matt Stafford. But you get the idea. With my luck, with my luck, in the same day, Ben's going to retire and the Steelers are going to trade for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> that would now that would be interesting now, he's got a lot of weapons a solid offensive line um but we'll save that for the deshaun watson pot uh yeah, I'll, I'll i'll wrap it up now uh, as so. we're wrapping i do want to say one quick last thing and this is just leading into your outro austin i wanted to thank you i believe it was one maybe two months ago that i sent you a request on linkedin to connect um and and just this afternoon i got i got the acceptance so i wanted to thank you for for allowing me into your network so here's what i'll say today's the first day i've been on linkedin in two months ah, okay <laughs> i i sent robert a request while he was on while i was on there because uh, he was came up in my recommended for me mm-hmm. um i don't know how often you checked your linkedin robert but if you could accept that request the next time you're on that'd be great we'll see <laughs> no, I, I already accepted it. I just wanted to 
<laughs> be a little dramatic there. Yeah, I just click, I get on like once every two months. I try to, I invite a bunch of people to connect. And then I basically they just come up in my recommended for me. Then I hop off for another three months. And You're say, like, all right, who have I met in the last two months? <laughs> exactly. This has been the DI scoreboard. As always, we are brought to you by absolutely no one. I'd like to thank my co-host, Shabon Shahusha, for joining me. Uh, I'd like to thank our guests, Isaac Goffin and Robert Reed, for joining us. Uh, another excellent pod this week. Our podcast is produced by Kelsey Harrell. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to us this week, and we hope you uh, can join us again next week. Oh, uh, Robert's just, oh, now he's back. <laughs> he's like, and just like that, I'm out. <laughs>